Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. That's right. Do not adjust your radio. You are hearing it right. The Asylum is back. Do not change your dial. Do not think you're going crazy. This is not a repeat. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. And thanks to Mark LeMay for bringing us in like he used to. And you know what, Rick? It feels damn good. It does. It does. I like it. I am happy. Welcome to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. You can check us out there. For those of you on the arenasportsnet.com, this is also the uh, Fireside Sports Show. Uh, We haven't told them yet, so we'll go ahead and mention that. But we are back to all the – well, we have. (laughs) What can you do? That's true. We we uh, we make rash rash decisions. That's kind of our we, thing. We do that thing. You know that that's okay. But we are Flieger and Briggs. Welcome into the asylum. We are back. It is the asylum. It's never going to change again, and that's just the way it is. And you know what, Rick? It feels good. And you know, let's just throw this out here because I mean, this is a this is a happy day for us, but. You know, with this recording, and we just—I just have to mention—you know—it's sad. You know, John Saunders, ESPN, John yeah, Saunders yeah. found dead, and um, you know, only 61 years old—that is just uh, way too early. Of course, no details really on what's going on with his death, but um, you know, he's going to be sadly missed. Yeah, yeah. One of the few, uh, you know, when you look at ESPN, you know, one of the few true journalists yeah. left. You know, they they bring in the ex athletes and they can be entertaining for a time, but a true journalist, you you read, I don't know, you wouldn't expect to hear a lot of bad about him today, quite frankly. But you could see genuine, genuine sincerity when all his colleagues were talking about him. And I'll tell you what, Saturdays aren't going to be the same, and I'm still. Right. I don't know if younger people than me do it or I'm the last generation, but Sunday mornings, if it isn't football seasons, it's sports reporters. That's the first thing I'm looking to do every right. Sunday morning. So, yeah. I almost equate him to, um, like in my generation, it was Keith Jackson on Saturday for college yeah. football. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, just a, a, a calming voice. I mean, one that you wanted to listen to you know, describe a game. And, um, yeah, like I said, he's going to be sadly missed. And he's one of the few left. We're, we're running shorter and shorter of these guys who, if you hear his voice on the game when you turn the game on, you know it's a big game. Right. You don't have to know the two teams. You know if John Saunders was on that game, this was a big one. And, and one of the few uh, remaining national hockey voices yeah, for everything he's done with college football, yep. hockey was his first love. Basketball, too, with Dick Vitale. Yeah, so uh, so sorely, sorely missed. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace, John Saunders. Terrible. 2016 has been an awful, awful year for this. Yeah, it, it is. And it makes me worry about you, quite frankly. Well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, old father time, I mean, his toes always tapping, and, and you lose to him every yeah, time. Yeah, he's undefeated. He's definitely <laughs> undefeated and indiscriminate, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Here you and I sit, and a lot of uh, good and talented people are just uh, falling off left and right. So, But anyway, Rick, with that aside, I'm holding something in my hand. Rick, you, you, even though we're on the radio, you shouldn't do that. Well, but I'm telling the listeners, I'm yeah, holding they don't something want to hear into my head. We know. We yeah. get it. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not that. Oh. <laughs> the 2016 Fantasy Greek 
fantasy football draft guide. Yes, sir. Now, see, now. Now you got my now attention. You, exactly. It's not perverted thoughts. Well, the, you heard what you said, right? 167 pages of goodness. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, get on Amazon. I think you can get on the thefantasygreek.com and get it now. Yes. Uh, before it was only through Amazon. But I think you can get on thefantasygreek.com as well. But if if you can't go to Amazon, it's easy. It's cheaper than the other ones. Right. It is every bit as informative. It's it is jam packed. Like I said, 167 pages, without not one advertisement. Exactly. No eight straight pages of illustrations. It's all pure information. Exactly. And I'm just going to briefly go through the table of contents. Um, there was an expert mock draft um, from all the contributors to the draft guide held a mock draft. There's an analysis on that. There's a top 200 for PPR, four-point pass touchdown, top 200 for non-PPR. There's top 200 for PPR, six-point, and there's top 200 for standard, six-point it just goes on and on. There's underrated, there's overrated, there's rookies, there's second-year players, third-year players. There's all kinds of articles in there. Get it. And chock full of articles and brilliance from your boys. And if that should well, be yeah. reason enough to buy this thing. <laughs> yeah, besides that, I mean, we're not tooting our own horn because there are a ton of great writers contributing to this. And all kidding aside, yeah, we want you to read what we have to offer. But i tell you what. This is this is a damn good publication. Yeah, there's some actual smart people who wrote in there too. Lest you uh, just want to follow down our paths, so let's do it. First show, Asylum is back, Rick. Let's get the show biz out of the way. One, we like to oh go okay, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. We I'm, like to just discuss these things on the air and let everybody know what's going on. This is the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. This time of year through about February, it will be almost exclusively fantasy football content. Yep. But it won't be exclusively. Any true asylumite knows that and appreciates that. Just a fair warning. I'm not going to attack anybody. I've done that enough in the past. It's fun, though. Fair warning. Just fair warning. That's and what we're going to do. Thank the Lord. This is, we hope, the final show from the Posh Rosemary Lane yeah. studio. We're <laughs> moving back to Studio B. We're gonna. The sound quality is gonna be back. Yeah, we know this stinks, and we're sorry. We're based, we're in an abandoned haunted barn. As, it's not as you haunted. Guys There's know, no such it, thing as ghosts. But haunted, you know this. It is. There's no such thing as ghosts. We're going you back in this. Boob. I have, I have taken Studio B and turned it into something that would make Rush Limbaugh weep. So the sound quality quality. Maybe is, we can do it, some video stuff and throw it on we YouTube. Could. We, we could absolutely we do, may that. do that. I am set up for that as well. I have all and, the equipment I need. And we're setting up to be a total contrast like we normally are because you're still your typical jarhead self. True. See, now I'm getting back to my roots. A dirty hippie. Of, of Yeah, of hair down to my shoulders. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's enough of this. Smells like patchouli and broken dreams no, no. in here is what no it patchouli. smells like to me. That, that's one what thing. is that, by the way? I just know it's something hippies do. I don't know what no, it is. No, actually, I think. Now, this, this, I could be wrong, but I actually think true patchouli comes from a plant. It was, it was like a you know a patchouli oil or whatever. Hippies love plants. Nah, Smoking hippies. them specifically. Yeah, 
See, in this hippie stuff, I mean, see, you're so far off skew because you're just some young jarhead that doesn't even know what's going on. Some young jarhead. Yeah. This hippie stuff. I was never even in the Marines. This hippie stuff. Well, I was never a hippie, all right? I mean, because this was all this peace and love crap. We weren't into that. You were just into hardcore drugs. We were just more or less like the um, disenchanted youth of the 70s. Indiscriminate. uh, You know what I mean? Sexcapades and drugs was more your thing, not so much the peace and love. I get it. So you're like a fallen hippie. There's no hippie. None of that hippie stuff. It's hippie-ish. You wore a lot of tie-dye in your day. No, I wore none. Did you ever wear like a fringe vest or anything? No. Nothing. Now, I did have a dark leather hat like Jim Morrison used to wear. <laughs> I'd like which, to see which you is in pretty cool. Do you still have it? No. I'd like gone. to see you in that. Yeah, I don't know whatever Although happened. Although it might to melt your head in this godforsaken studio, if we could even call it that tonight. It has got to be 180 degrees in here. You know, and it actually is better than it was last week. Yeah, you wait, Rick, till you get into Studio B. Oh, I know. It's going to be a much more relaxed show. Yeah. We much be, better we'll be sound quality. And there's this thing in there. It's and the there's weird. a bathroom right there. Yeah, I've got this machine, Rick, in the studio. Now, now really? bear with me here. Okay. Bear with me. All right. So what it does is it takes the hot air... And okay. it sucks it into a machine. And I don't know what it does through some sort of voodoo and black right, magic. Man. It pulls the humidity out of it, and the air it blows back out into the studio is actually cool air. They, it conditions the air, thus they call it an oh, air conditioner. Kind of like, <laughs> like that big room we got yeah, in the back Yeah, here. you have yeah. that. It's an air conditioner, so you're comfortable, you'll cool. But the big thing is we're joking, we're having some fun here. The sound quality will be the sound quality. If you've listened to this show in the past, look, the content stinks. We are we're awful people. We understand that. But what I've always prided us on, Rick, was we had the best sounding quality for yeah. anything found on Blog Talk Radio, for anything really found on the internet and outside we have ex- of professional production. Yeah, we have experimented here many in various rooms and everything we cannot get it and we're just not going to do it any longer we're moving back to studio b pedro is actually setting up a bunk in your basement i think well after you fired cole i'd much rather have cole living in the studio than we're on pedro. air and cole is long gone it's a shame. pedro's got everything going I'm, I'm gonna miss the kid he's an idiot but he's a fun idiot you know what i mean he's got like a really dumb dog He'd drive you nuts, but you're gonna, I'm going to miss him when he's gone. But all right, enough of all this nonsense, Rick. Let's get into some uh, – how about some headlines? We'll, actually, let's break down the show. So we'll do some headlines here. I want to talk about the Hall of Fame, unless you want to do that first. I want to talk – A about, real sore spot with me this year because I didn't get to go. Yeah, shame but, on um, you. Shame on me, but – I know, almost died, Rick. I want to tell that story. Maybe. Which is a real bummer. I wish I could have filmed it. That has an audio, an audio component to it, so maybe we'll do that in – in uh, the second block here. But you and did get an exclusive. I did from uh, Dirt Dawson. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. I, I got to tell you what, and I don't have, I apologize. So let's start with that. We were once again fortunate enough to be credentialed by the Pro Football Hall of Fame as media. I attended. Uh, unfortunately, Rick couldn't make it, had some uh, personal issues he had to deal with. So I carried the banner out to Canton by myself, made it to media day on Friday, the enshrinement on Saturday. Luckily for me, I chose to go home and play it by ear for the Hall of Fame oh, game. Boy, yeah. in, just in case, I'd canceled the hotel room just a couple days before, and I was going to see how I felt Sunday afternoon. I wanted to get home and uh, 
and see the kid. And if I felt up to it, I was going to drive out for the game Sunday night. Well, glad I'm for once I got a decision <laughs> right, Rick, and and we'll get into that whole debacle. So thank you to the Hall of Fame for having us out. It was a great time. I got to tell you, Rick. First and foremost, I you know I called you right after the the media day, j just flustered. You get a guy like Brett Favre, and drew out the Wisconsin media, the national media. It's usually for for being a Hall of Fame, for being NFL legends. That's usually a pretty laid back atmosphere. Yeah, really. You, know, you full access to these guys. Plenty of media there, but. It's just right. different than what you see on TV and like locker room press conferences. A totally different vibe. Brett Favre, no fault of Brett Favre's, but he brought that element. I got to media day a full two hours before it started. If you can picture it, where they do this, the media center is in, you know, this is the Hall of Fame. This is Canton. This is a small town. So the Hall of Fame sits. You know, say it sits here, I'm using my hands, which I understand isn't good for radio. Right beside it is a stadium, and right beside that is a high school. Yeah, McKinley and, High School. And that's where they do the media center set up there, and Radio it Row. It is a nice setup, really. Oh, it really is. And in the auditorium, there's like a vestibule, as you'll see in a lot of auditoriums. This is where they do the interviews. Guys are just set up on stools with a little... You know, just a little round table beside them. So they have they always have their big name on one of the back walls. Well, that's where Brett Favre was. When I got there two hours prior, they were already tripods and cameras set up six deep. There, there had to be 200 people there already yeah. two hours ahead of time trying to get within eight miles of Brett Favre. So basically, I didn't. I, I think I have some Favre audio. I did the crawling underneath people's legs and just stick my microphone up. It certainly didn't get to talk to them. I don't know if I missed that much. What was nice is it gave you access to, to all the other guys. And that was, yeah, going back, you know, a couple of years ago, we brought this up last week. We thought Michael Strahan was crazy. And I basically had an exclusive for 20 minutes with Ray Guy, mm -hmm. which was awesome. But last year when we were there, you and I both thought, considering how close Canton is to Pittsburgh, that Jerome Bettis was going to be almost unapproachable. No problem. No. No, no problem. I, I was actually very surprised when you told me this about Brett Favre. I understand. I knew there was going to be a media blitz around this guy. But I just really didn't – I couldn't comprehend – Right. What you were telling me, I mean, and obviously you were shocked. Yeah, and many nothing, other people were too. Nothing I've ever been been a part of. Uh, you know, all the guys, and I'm sure Brett was affable. Yeah, it's one thing I'm impressed by. The, a guy like Marvin Harrison, who spent 10, 12 years in the NFL, never speaking, never spoke to the media. They say he was the fastest one to get dressed, and he was out of that locker right. room long before anybody could get in to talk to him. The ease at which he speaks, the the intensity still in the Kevin Green. That's what I walked away with from him. Got to chat with him just for a little bit, and still just has that fire in his eye. And you heard it if you saw his enshrinement speech. That apparently is just who that cat is, which is probably and, and the audio I have, and I will get that up. That should be on AsylumFantasySports.com. Hopefully at some point this weekend I'll have all the audio up, but. 
just the, the motor, the intensity. It, it's 100% any question you ask him, it's just who he is. You know, Tony Dungy is to the Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy you saw on TV since he retired and even in post-game press conferences in his career. That That's absolutely who he is. Eddie DeBartolo, I, I got to be honest, I didn't spend a lot of time over there. I got in some quick audio. Now, after the – my favorite part quite often – is then after the that year's enshrinees, they usher them out and they bring in some returning Hall of Famers. They had this great list of returning Hall of Famers listed. Unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately because it worked out, but only two showed up, Jim Kelly and Dermonte Dawson. Well, everybody flocked to Jim Kelly that was still around. Everybody, 80% you know, of those people followed Brett Favre about right. the ride they had Wade Vernon. It was, it was like something you see on TMZ with the was yeah. like big butt girls, you know who I mean. Oh, Everybody's yeah. excited Kardashians. about it. Yeah, them. So they're all chasing them out. So I'm, I'm Dermonte Dawson, you know, a hero of mine growing of up. Of course. He was the Steelers center. So he was the center for my favorite team when I sort of came of age as a football fan. So this is a guy I really look up to, ostensibly sitting there by himself. So I walked up, introduced myself. And if you ever met some, maybe this is how normal people act, Rick, and we're just weird. Have you ever met somebody so nice, so polite, so engaging, it's almost off-putting to you? It almost makes you uncomfortable? Ray Guy. He caught me off guard. As as affable as he was, I was, and of course, let's face it, that was our first credentialed year. Right. And oh, scared to death. We scared were scared to death. To had death. no clue. And I told Rick, we separated. We had we. He was going to go cover Strahan, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to start back here." And I think that year it was like Ray Guy and Aeneas Williams. Mm-hmm. I think. I think so, Derek Brooks was on the opposite wall, right. if I remember. So right. I said, "Well, I'm, I'm going to stay back here." And I look over, and here is Ray Guy. Now this is a guy I am old enough to remember. Ray Guy. And for all the listeners out there that do not remember Ray Guy, this guy changed the game, period. Right. And he was simply amazing. They created the freaking hang time clock for this guy. And he's virtually there by himself. Mm -hmm. And I walked over, kind of like what you said with DeMarty Dawson, introduced myself. And I almost had Ray Guy to myself for like 15, 20 minutes. And it was it was the most pleasurable experience in this business that I've ever had. Yeah, and, and I had the similar thing with uh, with Dirt. So um, to the point where, like I said, it almost took me aback because these guys, all of them, even the former players and current players you run into in the enshrinement, and I'll get into that a little bit here as we go on, everybody's polite. I guess it's just part of what they do for a living. Right. And they're really good at it. And every one of them, too. The only one in all the time we've done this that I was sort of put off by was Andre Reed. He was, while he was putting it last year, when he was putting in what he had to put in, he didn't seem real happy. (laughs) You were there with a microphone in his face. What I took away from He was pleasant to us. Yeah. But the message he conveyed. That was probably more. Right, exactly. It was almost intimidating. Yeah. I I don't know what it was. But so Dirt, Damani Dawson, to the point of, I believe the the question I'm going to play for you when I get the audio done, 
because unfortunately I was juggling a lot of things. So I had a much longer conversation with him. I didn't get a lot of usable audio, probably because I'm fanboying out and I've got nine pieces of equipment. And in I my wasn't there. You, I know. You're back here getting hammered and I'm all on my own <laughs> doing this. Yeah, right. So to, I asked him just simply, you know, what do you think of, you know, we're, I believe we're counting Kevin Green as a Steeler and even Tony Dungy has Steeler roots. What do you make of the Steeler organization consistently year over year producing so many Hall of Famers? And his response was, and I'm not kidding you, well, Rick, thank you for asking that. And he reaches over and pats me on the shoulder. I'd never met anybody even in real life, let alone an NFL Hall of Famer, so polite, I almost didn't know what to do. I almost just ran away. I said, All right, I can't deal with this guy. <laughs> right. This is a real human being, and I don't know how to interact with now, him. Now, see, th- see, that's the thing. That's what you have to get used to. Fortunately, in my career before, you know, I've met guys like Arnold Palmer, you know, Tom Kite, some of these guys, you know, in the golf biz. Arnold Palmer, head and shoulders – I mean, over anybody I've ever met. It's amazing. I mean, it is unbelievable how how affable this guy is and how polished Mm -hmm. he is. I mean, I I guess because from the 50s on, he was a freaking hero. Right, right. He's been doing it for a long time. Yeah, you get used to it. But, I mean, I actually talked to him. The very first time I ever talked to him was in the 70s. And I was a kid... I don't know, 19 years old, something like that. Just in awe. I mean, just mm-hmm. – and, yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming from because they take you off guard because, you know, you've been ignored a million times. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, Rick, yeah. huh? Well, that's what <clears> – we've gone from – from before where I'm just hanging out at a training camp or something, not as true credentialed media. So I've gone from being ignored to the last couple years, say for your interaction with Ray Guy, what I would call polite indifference. Does that right. make sense yeah. to you? Oh, yeah. Like they don't care if you live or die or no. who you are. They they're don't not even, know you. They're, so not even, they're not even looking at you, but they're, right. they're being polite. They're answering the question to the best of their ability. To a guy who it's probably just because he's so polished, but acts like he truly cares and desperately wants to give you the best answer, answer a thoughtful answer. And he very and has well the respect met. to look you in the eye, right. call you by the name, and tap you on the shoulder. That was just a mind-bender for me. Maybe it wouldn't have meant as much if it was even Jim Kelly. But, again, this is one of my heroes. You know, yeah. you, you think about your most fond memories of sports, and I hear it from you all the time, with, and I give you a hard time with your Jim Brown. The people who were at that level as you were coming of age in it, there's that sweet spot when you're about 8 to maybe 15 years old before you start to get jaded, where these are heroes. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I yeah. mean? And I view a Dermonte Dawson even different than I view a Brett Favre, quite frankly, or a Marvin Harrison. Right. You know, it, it sounds awful to say, but i got to be honest with you, I didn't ask any questions in that vein because I didn't. I, a lot of these guys don't like it. I see Marvin Harrison. I understand he's a great you know, Hall of Fame wide receiver. I view him as a fantasy commodity, yeah. quite frankly. You know, right. oh, Brett Favre the same way. Yeah. Took yeah. you to a Super Bowl. Right, you right. Slob. Yeah. Won me a Super Bowl. Over me by 1.06 points. Yes, sir. And I'm glad you bring that up. I never get tired <laughs> of hearing that. But last year with Jerome Bettis, and I was a little older when Bettis came in, but you saw me fanboying when Jerome Bettis was walking around. Now, ladies and, and gentlemen. And this year with Dirk Dawson, it was, it's just mind-blowing to me. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to realize, 
I am always appa- not appalled. I'm always amazed at how Rick still fanboys to all. I can't of it. help it. I it's, mean, it's amazing. And I tell you what, I don't ever want to lose it. It won't be as much well, fun. No, I think I, if I, I agree. lose it. I mean, but you know, you know what I'm appalled by? Not what? so much that is that a couple of rum-dums like us are out there doing it. You know what I mean? We are in a haunted barn where it's 114 degrees, and we're given this opportunity, and I don't take it for granted. I really don't. I really appreciate it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, we have come a long way other than going to Studio B next week. I mean... We've we've done a lot of things in the last what five six years. Way more than I ever this. thought we'd accomplish. Exactly. So, and we're only moving upward. That's why we're going back to the asylum because that was the brand that got popular. That was a brand that was giving us thousands of downloads on iTunes, thousands of downloads on Blog Talk, which we are going back to. Oh, this we're is probably be there. the last one on Spreaker. But anyway, enough patting ourselves on the back. Did you know that Survey Monkey? did a survey and it doesn't it wasn't clear on how many or who but on Americans okay the five most respected athletes of all time well no right now currently so current athletes right oh boy so any sport the five most you're going to be stunned I'll tell you what, I can't even hazard a guess because if Number you spend five. too much time on Twitter, no one gets any respect. Number five. Okay. Kobe Bryant. I get that. I get Number that. four, Tom Brady. I get it. Number three, LeBron James. Makes sense. Number four, Phil Mickelson. Mickelson. And number he's a one. Two, right? You said four. Number two is Mickelson. Yeah, number two you is Mickelson. You called him number four. You went five, four, three, four. Oh, I'm four. sorry. Five is Kobe, four is Brady, three is LeBron, two is Mickelson, and number one, the most respected athlete, Eli Manning. What? Now. Did they conduct this in the Giants locker room? <laughs> now. The second most least respected athlete. Eli Manning. No. Oh. Tom Brady. <laughs> I, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, that's insane. How can he be the second most least respected and the fourth most respected? It's crazy. You're idiots. All right? <laughs> and Survey Monkey's stupid. Well, I agree with that. All right, Rick, we've only got four minutes left. Let's wrap up this Hall of Fame thing. Segment two, we're going to get into some fantasy headlines. Third segment, I'm going to tell you about me almost dying. We'll have some more fantasy talk. we got Olympics. We have golf. We have NFL. We've got Rick dying, which, in, unfortunately, I missed. Yeah, and in segment four, Rick, I thought since it's these, since we're back – actually, I'll tell you what, we're just going to wrap up early here, and we'll come back in with fantasy talk. But in segment four, I thought since the asylum is back, baby, yeah. we are back and we're never leaving, let's bring back – an asylum classic and old favorite, Rick. I have in my hands the latest of edition, the latest edition of the Asylum Fantasy Sports Factor Fiction. Oh so we are boy, going to do I that. love that! So stay tuned for that. That is, if, if, for listeners that don't know, and if you have, you lived under a rock because everybody's heard of the Asylum. It's a game that's and, sweeping the nation. Yeah, fact or fiction? It is the game. It is better than Jeopardy, all right? Oh, no, no question about it. So stick around for all that. We're going to break here when we come back. All your fantasy football headlines. I do want to talk about briefly the Hall of Fame game uh, being canceled in the field. I have some, uh, some, I think, insider takes on that. We'll do all that right after this. 
All right, welcome back to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network. Give us a follow at Asylum Football on Twitter. Rick, it's time. We've had enough idle chit-chat, enough nonsense. Let's talk a little bit of fantasy football, or at least football in general. Oh, definitely. No question about that. This is the time of the year to be talking about that. And, you know, the first thing I want to cover is rumor coming out of Dallas is that uh, Darren McFadden might be in the trading block. With all the defensive help that uh, Dallas needs, they already have Ezekiel Elliott. They brought in Alfred Morris. They have Lance Dunbar coming back from knee injury. They got rookie Darius Jackson. You know, it's a crowded backfield, Rick. And and Darren McFadden makes a lot of sense to try to pick up some defensive help. Is anyone going to make that move, though? I mean, you got two things working against you. It's three things. Number the number a number one problem is Darren McFadden. Nobody disputes, I don't think, what the what the man can do when he's on the field. But he's so much – I know he stayed healthy most of last year. So much of a concern of whether or not he can stay on the field. These teams protect their draft picks to the point of how much of a draft pick or what kind of defensive help are you going to send. So that's the number two problem is getting any trades done in the NFL without including draft picks. I mean, how many straight-up player-for-player trades do you see – they are just so so rare. It's it, it, it's really. I I just I can't see it happening, Rick. I guess is what I'm saying. And the third problem is: is there a situation somewhere, a running back situation anywhere in the league, where Darren McFadden will be a significant enough of an upgrade over what these teams have? to necessitate giving up a a pick or a player, I guess it is. If they're looking for defensive help, I assume it's for they're looking for a player here. I would assume so, yeah. They don't want to pick later on. But, yeah, I mean, Darren McFadden would be an upgrade, I'm sure, to a lot of teams. But, I mean, look at him right now. I mean, he's got the broken elbow, and he basically remains a ways off from a potential return to the field and even Ron Phillips of the DallasCowboys.com reports that according to Jason Garrett, quoting, we don't anticipate him playing real soon, but he's working hard, end quote. So, I mean, he, he's a long way off from being a value to anybody. Well, and he's always been one of those cats. You know, one thing, you know, I give him a hard time a lot, not for his play, but for his personality, but – there's certain guys in the league, so let's, let's say Ben Roethlisberger. If they tell you he's going to be out four to six weeks, Rick, we know he's going to be back in three, right? That's what he does. Right. If they tell you, Darren, they, did, you, they didn't give weeks here, so just go with the scenario. But if I'm told Darren McFadden's going to be out four weeks, he's going to miss six. Yeah. So he's just one of those guys, so you worry about that. I worry about – I would think it would be more likely that he is cut from that team with everything that you mentioned, bringing in Alf, having the young guys, and, and what they expect from Ezekiel Elliott, I've long felt, you know, we had this discussion last week and probably the week prior, Ezekiel Elliott seems to come up a lot. Yeah, I still have my concerns about his ability to go through a 16-game NFL season. If he's really ready to make that next step as, you know, a top eight pick in fantasy football as we see him going in the mock drafts and what the ADPs are showing – I'm starting to come around to it more, at least on getting the opportunities, because I've long believed one of them 
between DMAC and Alfred Morris. One of those guys isn't going to make the team. I still don't believe in – I believe you, you thought they would last week. I don't know if your mind has changed at all. I don't see you going into the season carrying those three guys. You've got your big-name rookie, and you've got two big-time – I don't think they're making huge salaries, but two guys making veteran contracts behind them. I don't know if you go – especially with all the other problems they're having, do you go into the season carrying those two? I think one of them goes, and it may be McFadden. Well, I think it's going to be McFadden. I think Alfred Morris is solidly – well, I mean, right now I can't say solidly because camp's really just getting going. But right now he's number two. McFadden's not even on the field. He's got a broken elbow. You know, Lance Dunbar's coming back from that bum knee. So, I mean, it's it's Elliott and it's Morris. And they're going to carry one of these young guys, your know, late-round picks. Yeah, or Darius Jackson will probably make They're going to the carry one of those guys for special teams. Well, you're not going to put Alf or Darren McFadden on special teams. No. Maybe Dunbar, but he's been around the league long enough. I'm not sure you'd expect him. So they're going to keep at least one or two of these young guys for special teams. One of these two veterans is going to get squeezed out. And it makes sense to try and, you know, offer up Darren McFadden for a trade. I just don't know how many takers are going to be out and there. And you don't see – I don't see anything – they don't need to make anything uh, a move real hastily. No. Because, number one – Wait for somebody to get hurt because it's well, going to happen. Well, yeah, but, number one, you don't know how Dunbar is going to come back. Right. Hey, he may be done for all we know. We, you know, I mean, they say he's made progress, but he's still a ways off. I mean, that was a devastating knee injury he had. Right. And McFadden's a ways off from this elbow. So, basically, from my perspective, it's Elliott and Morse. And you have Darius Jackson floating around as a rookie. He's going to be working his butt off just trying to make the roster. Yeah, and I think you need a guy like that, somebody right. with that kind of speed to play special teams. Rick, I hate reporting this one. I don't have the drop in this board. When we get to Studio B next week, I will have this drop available to me. On the initial depth chart that the Miami Dolphins put out, your boy Jay Ajayi is listed as the number one running back for the Dolphins. Well, we talked fine. a lot about the Arian Foster situation last week. Does this sway you at all? No. I mean, this is, this is politics at its best. They don't know the total health of Arian Foster. Right. He gets into training camp, and he's okay, and he's performing well. Look, J-I-J-E <laughs> is not nearly the back that Arian Foster is when Arian Foster is healthy. I-J-E keeps his value because everybody knows Arian Foster will be injured. True. Okay. He may have just gotten hurt right now. We're yeah, sure. we, we have no idea. He may have been taking a shower and, and got hurt. I don't. We don't know. But if he's healthy, he's number one. I think so. And it, you're not going to sway me. Ije is not going to do anything to tell me that he's better than Arian Foster when Arian Foster's healthy. Problem is, Foster never stays healthy, so Ije maintains his value. Yeah, and I agree with that, and I'm struck by the fact that, yeah, look, Ajayi yeah, came in with a lot of fanfare. All the draft Knicks love him, as we know all too well when we tried to have a little fun with his name and, and got beat over the head with it. Around about this time last year, Rick, if I'm not mistaken, or no, it wasn't two years ago. That was last season, right? Right. Yeah. Here's the way I – Ajayi's going to get plenty of work. And he just may, one way by hook, by crook, maybe he's that guy. 
and he wins that job. He didn't really have the opportunity last year he, with uh, what Lamar Miller did, really having a real bounce back year last year. With what he was able to do, you know, Ajayi didn't get that opportunity. I wonder if the same thing isn't going to happen with Arian Foster. If we go into week one with Arian Foster healthy, let's just go by what we're being told okay. right now. Ajayi's the number one back. This sounds like a fact or fiction question. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see if we can get there. <laughs> Foster is your pass catching back, right? So no more is your pass catching back just in on third down. Now, I don't know if you're going to roll Foster out every time you intend to throw the ball because it's going to become pretty obvious pretty soon. But with the skill set that Foster has, he's going to cut into some of Ajayi's work running the ball. So I'm willing to say even going into the season, everything being equal, Ajayi may lead the team in carries, but Foster's going to take enough of it, plus what he's going to do in the passing game and on third down, where Arian Foster, if healthy, is still the number one back in terms of fantasy production on the Miami Dolphins. Fantasy aside, I'm going to put a question to you. We've seen Arian Foster over the years when he's healthy. Okay, Best back in the league. Or one of the two or three best. Well, do you honestly – can you honestly sit there and say, IJE is going to be getting the carries on first and second down over a healthy Arian Foster? I think it could happen. No, it can't. I, I honestly think it no, could. No, it can't. Look, and, and, and I'm telling that – Obviously, I'm not clairvoyant, and I don't know the health of Arian Foster. My point is, when Arian Foster's healthy, and you're in a division like the AFC East, where you have New England, you have the Jets, you have Buffalo, who are all taking strides. Okay? Yeah, Brady. I mean, yeah, everybody's saying New England's right for the picking right now with the suspension of Brady and so forth. They're still the team to beat. New York really made some noise last year. They brought back Fitzpatrick. They've got a lot of weapons. They've got a good defense. We're all waiting for Rex Ryan's defense to explode on Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor kind of emerged, okay? You need to score some points in this division. You're not going to convince me that IJE is a better running back over a healthy Arian Foster. If Arian Foster's healthy, he's going to lead the team in carries and catches and fantasy points and yards. Two weeks from right now, Rick, from right this moment, this is the only place I may dis- where an IJE argument could be made for me. Two weeks from this very moment to the day, Arian Foster is going to be popping bottles, celebrating his 30th birthday, coming off a bad Achilles injury. Even when we say he's healthy, how healthy is he ever? Oh, I He's got a history that. of being banged up. He's going to be 30 years old when week one comes around. He's coming off that Achilles. You made a, not a big investment, but you made an investment bringing in a veteran player, stud like Arian Foster. How many first and second down garbage, three yard and a cloud of dust carries are you going to give him? Now, where I think he becomes the best fantasy player, we know he's got a nose for the end well, zone, right? I think right? that's the point, Rick. You're not getting three cloud, three downs, three yards and a cloud of suck with him like you did with <laughs> Sean Green a few years back. 
I mean, this guy produces. Right. And But my and, point is you're not going to give him the ball 250 times. You didn't sign him for five years. Right, but he's not going to make it through week four if you're giving him 18 to 22 carries a game. Then we're right back to J.I.J.E. Well, which is why I think you give A.J.E. I, I can't even <laughs> say it now. You say it too many times, it starts to sound weird in your Peter head. Piper, and, yeah. Exactly. I think you give A.J.E. plenty of work. Look, he's obviously a talented back, right? You know, we've had that beat into our heads for the last year. Give him plenty of work. Give Foster plenty of work. I think at the end, Foster has more touchdowns. Foster obviously has more receptions and has a better yards per carry. But I think Ajayi, I'd, I'd be willing to bet okay, that at the I'll, end of the year, Ajayi has more carries than I Arian will Foster. go along with that. I don't say he'll be more successful. He's going to get more opportunity. I'll go along with that maybe, say, the first half of the season. But if Miami finds himself in the heat of this division race I think you're going to find Arian Foster used more and more because he's a superior talent he is he is and and I mean when it comes to the NFL no matter what you say there's something alive over there oh, yeah, and, there's a toad in the studio <laughs> this, this is you you still think we need to go you're not certain we need to go to a new studio, Rick? Is a toad. Well, we're talking about dolphins. We got toads, all right? Oh, good Lord. If a dolphin swims by, then I'll be impressed. That's <laughs> stupid toad. But when, but it, when it comes to being... <laughs> what a low-rent show. This is. Good Lord. If you're competitive through, say, nine, ten games in this division, this is the NFL. You are here to win now. We're not going to... Well... We're going to say we're, we're not going to waste Arian now. Baloney, you're going to run this guy, and, you, and you're going after the division title. You're going after a playoff spot, period. He's going to, if he stays healthy, this is all a big if, obviously. But if he stays healthy, he's going to be more productive. He's going to have more carries. He's going to have more catches than I-J-E. I'll agree with production with catch. I don't agree with carries, and I, I think, I think you have the makings of a really, really good one-two punch if you use it correctly. I don't agree with running Foster into the ground, especially early on in the year. No, I, I, I said that. I and agree. even early in the early on in games, what I could really see Rick is Arian Foster coming in like in the fourth quarter like a closer, like the Steelers used to do when Jerome Bettis got to the end of his career, and it would be Willie Parker for three quarters, and then all of a sudden you're in a close game in the fourth quarter, you bring in the hammer. In Jerome Bettis. I, I could see that kind of year for Arian Foster. All of this, though, and it's a fool's, fool's bet, really, all of this predicated on Arian Foster staying healthy, which, unfortunately, we have just never seen. Uh, Rick, Jordan Matthews, a guy. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on him. He's going to be out for a few weeks. A uh, little bit of a knee injury. Got hit low by some rookie number, so that guy probably get cut just for taking out the number one wide receiver. I don't think the injury is any big deal. I don't know if that's anything to discuss. Hasn't had much of a long injury history. No, but stand it, on Jordan Matthews. The way he – I sung his praises from the highest rooftop all season last year, and he was terrible until I bailed out and started railing against him on the slant every Sunday morning starting about week 9 or 10, and that's when he went completely off. Now I rode him to some fantasy championships because I couldn't get rid of him. Who is he? Is he the guy we saw for half a 
season two years ago, what we saw for those last six or seven games last year? Is he that who, – who the heck is Jordan Matthews to Rick Briggs? Jordan Matthews is a quintessential Philadelphia Eagle. I mean, it's he's, <laughs> he is – seriously, he's very inconsistent. I mean, and I disagree with what you said. It seems – it seems that way, what you talked about. But I'm going to run down through his yardage. We're not going to talk about touchdowns. Week one, 102 yards. Very nice. Week two, 80. Yeah, but it's okay. Okay. Week three, 49. Then 50. Then 44. Then 59. Then 14. Ew. Mercifully, they had a bye. <laughs> then... 133, 21, 13, 60, 36, one, or excuse me, 19. And then the last two games of the year, 159 and 104. That's what fantasy owners remember. That's what I remember. That's the birdie putt on 18 yeah. that golfers remember. <laughs> yep. You are going to have a good receiver. Look, he was 85 catches last year. I think he was a little bit shy of 1,000 yards, 957, something like that. I don't have the stats right in front of me. But it's going to be very inconsistent. He's going to be Deshaun Jackson-like. Not quite as bad, I don't think. But that's what you get with Jordan Matthews. Look, they got Sam Bradford for quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is a guy that has been touted by Coaches that have coached him as a tease. Sam Bradford, I'm talking about. Oh, the right. talent potential seems to be there. You gotta, if you could, but he can't tap it. I have heard many a time. I forget who said this, and I think this this is the best I've heard it put. If you could go into a lab and build an NFL quarterback, Sam Bradford is what would walk out of there like the Frankenstein monster when you were done. For whatever reason, a lot of it health, I suppose, whatever reason, he can't put it together, which is why I'm still – two seasons ago I was on this microphone saying Sam Bradford's going to be the breakout fantasy star. Yeah, boy, I got that one wrong. I've never I believed in him. I still haven't given up on him. Just I've never believed in Sam Bradford. Guy. I've never believed in Sam Bradford, and I think it is mostly mental. You, the case in point you said, you know, walking out like the Frankenstein monster, that's true. You would never suspect Johnny Unitas walking out of that laboratory. No. But I'll tell you what, I'll give me Johnny Unitas 100 times out of 100 times over Sam Bradford because this guy was a leader. He was a general on that football field. Sam Bradford doesn't seem to be that. And some guys just aren't it, I guess. You you want to know another guy when you talk about wouldn't know it to see him, to walk out? Last Saturday at the Hall of Fame enshrinement, Rick, I walked past, closer than you and I are sitting right now, Peyton Manning. Uh-huh. He was being ushered to the uh, NFL Network right. studio or whatever they, that thing they have set, console they have set up there. Boy, you look at you know we you go out and you meet these guys in person, right. and they're so thick, and they almost have like a glow around them. There's just something about these guys. I could not have been more. Now I understand he hasn't worked out probably since February. Then in a football contact, but I got to assume this is what Peyton Manning looks like. You would never pick him out as the best quarterback who ever played the well, game. 
Peyton Manning. Really unimpressive. Wasn't statuette. He was taller than me a little bit, not as much. Oh, well, yeah, but have. you're a tall guy for yeah. the viewers that don't know. You're about, what, 6'4", 6'5"? Yeah, I'm 6'4", six six yeah. So, but just to see, and I remember when we, when I interviewed Eli at the first time we were out at the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, same thing. They were just skinny guys. The quarterback, you got to have a strong arm, I understand, but that, that that's an 80% mental gimmick right well, he, there. Well, he's really never is. had a strong arm, if you think no, about Peyton, it. No, Peyton, no, Eli does. Well, yeah, Eli does, but Peyton never really did. There's nothing when you look at him that says, wow, that's an yeah. athlete. He looks like a, a it's not really – Cam Newton. It's not Ben Roethlisberger. looks like a really fit guy you see at the golf right. course on the weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't even look athletic. That has nothing to do with anything. Exactly. just popped in my head when you said about, you know, Johnny Unitas and, and you wouldn't pick him out as the – as a stud exactly, right. so let's stick with the Eagles though I agree okay. with you on Matthews let's stick with Matthews and the Eagles Ryan Matthews looks like it's his his job this year it's my boy I don't know what to make of him you don't even hear him mentioned not even mentioned in fantasy football circles no you don't and I mean it's good reason why you don't because he is basically I mean yeah, I mean, he has disappointed over the years. Obviously, he was an injury risk. And even when he's healthy, just even with, like, the, the Chip Kelly offense, it never really set the world on fire. But the guy is loaded with talent. But I don't think you can expect any much more from him. And, and I mean, he's, he's not a – I don't know – He's not like a um, Melvin Gordon where, where you're thinking, okay, this guy's going to break loose. I mean, I, you know, Darren Sproles outscored him fantasy-wise last year. Yeah, well, he we stayed, had, he had DeMarco to contend with as well, right. to be fair. So but the pass still, catching. But the, it was still Darren Sproles outscored Ryan Matthews last year. Okay, I, I I dismiss that a little bit because if you got you know Demarco Murray disappointed, so you had a true three running back system. So I would think the pass catching back in that system would then be the highest score. You know but, what I mean? But you Does look at Ryan Matthews' history. I understand what you're saying, but you look at Ryan Matthews' history. Now he's the bell cow. How much faith do you have in that? How comfortable are you with that? I'll tell you what, I'm going to say, now maybe this is just my never-ending man crush on Ryan Matthews. Which is never-ending. Yeah, yeah. It is. My passion's okay, I mean, burned let's, deep. Let's play our little game. Well, let me make my point, and then we'll play okay, the game. Okay, then we'll play the game. Here's what intrigues me outside of just my apparent subconscious attraction to Ryan Matthews for, <laughs> for whatever it is. Chip Kelly's gone, mercifully. Doug yes. Peterson was the offensive coordinator of a Kansas City team that, that knew a little bit about running the ball, Rick, right? Right. This is – Ryan Matthews is – I don't want to say clearly, but is pretty clearly going to be the number one guy, at least going in. Yeah, you think so. So the number one guy in a Doug Peterson offense and a Ryan Matthews who I think has shown flashes and still has some untapped potential – He's intriguing to me. So now we can play the game to see how intriguing he is. But I, I think Doug Peterson being the head coach in Philadelphia is, is being lost on a lot of folks when it comes to Ryan Matthews. Okay, I'm go- we're going to play the game. Ryan Matthews, um, hey. Jer- Jeremy Lankford. 
oh, it coming hit me right where it hurts, Rick. The two, exactly, two you're guys, a Langford guy. Two guys I've gone all in on this. Right now, I'm going to go Langford. Justin Forsett. Matthews. Really? Really. Um, not even all that. C.J. Anderson. Oh, Matthews. I really? Hate not C- me. I hate C.J. Not Anderson. me. I tell you why. Oh, you're all in on C.J. this year. No, it's not so much that, but I I am in on Gary Kubiak's system, and we let's bear in mind we don't have Peyton Manning any longer. We have Mark Sanchez. They can't even pick a starter. Did you see that co yeah. number one right. quarterback? So we what have, is that? Let let let's we'll cut through all that crap. But it, it's Mark Sanchez, right? Okay, what is more appealing than a Gary Kubiak system who gave us Arian Foster, who gave us Ben Tate, PPR monsters with mediocre receivers and quarterback? Now, granted, Denver has better receivers, but the quarterback's worse than what Houston had back in the day. I see C.J. Anderson being a real value this year. Along with maybe even Ronnie Hillman, depending on uh, on how training camp goes. Here's my problem: <clears throat> C.J. Anderson benefited and played well with a good Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning was out and playing miserably last year, that's when C.J. Anderson was at his worst. Even when Peyton Manning was doing some good game managing at the end of the last year and through the playoffs, is when you saw C.J. Anderson start to poke his head back up. I think he's that guy who is going to thrive with his cutting ability when you're getting somebody out of the box when the quarterback is taking somebody away and there's that one little bit of extra crease that a cj anderson can hit i actually expect to see the cj anderson of early to mid-season last year with mark sanchez if anybody's going to succeed running the ball it's going to be a straight ahead running game it's going to have to be because nobody's going to have any fear of mark sanchez so i think it could be ronnie hillman who could be the value i want no parts of cj anderson even less than last year. i'm going to counterpoint your counter Counterpoint. What would you call that? I don't know. What's the you, counterpoint? Counter counterpoint. I don't know. We'll go with that. But, but let's let's look. Okay, Peyton Manning's gone, just like what you said. But let's face facts. Peyton Manning ran the offense, even though it was a Kubiak system. It wasn't a Kubiak system when Manning was there. He's gone. Sanchez is going to listen to Kubiak. This is Kubiak's offense now. Period. You're not going to see Mark Sanchez saying, "Well, okay, Omaha, I'm going to run. I'm, I'm going to throw. <laughs> oh, a, I would pay a deep, a deep lame duck to Demarius Thomas. You know how much I would up. pay to see Mark Sanchez go, wave oh off Gary Kubiak, <laughs> yeah. yell Omaha. Yeah, yeah. Kubiak might beat the hell out of him uh, at midfield. I would dude. pay any amount of money to see that happen. Mark, if you're listening, and I know yeah. the Sanchez is a big fan of this show. One time, even in the preseason, wave Kubiak yeah. off and go Omaha. <laughs> but that's my point exactly. That's fair. We're it's going reasonable. back to Kubiak's system. We're, we're not going to see Omaha, and I'm going to throw this thing to Emmanuel Sanders, and it's going to be picked off, and, and simple as that. And, and what are you going to do to Peyton Manning? Yell at him? He don't care. Oh, no. Peyton but, Manning but was Sanchez can get team. benched. Oh, yeah, and will. Yeah. Frequently. <laughs> exactly. How did that team so not that's, bring a quarterback? That's why I like C.J. Anderson, and, and, of course, we're talking about Ryan Matthews. This right. is what the asylum does. Yeah, we just – we could throw a bunch of stats at you, but that's boring. We need to play games. Okay. 
We got about a minute and a half, Rick, so let's go rapid fire here. T.J. Yeldon. Matthews. Okay, I'm, I'm worried I, I about might go that. there. I'm worried about that RB situation. I believe that's going to be covered in a fact or fiction later as well. Okay, here's one. Dion Lewis. <laughs> that's so tough. I might go Dion Lewis there. See me, I am all in Matthews there. I I, I do not That's want close any me. part of Dion Lewis. This Bulls is a, gold last year. A little guy, yeah. He's never played. That's true. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he has missed oodles of games right. over the years, right. and I do not want any part of this guy. Yeah, he gave it a little little flash and dash last year, but certainly nothing to pay attention to. I know we only got a couple of minutes. Um, Jeremy Hill. I'm going to go Ryan Matthews. I think Joe Rashad Bernard. Jennings. I'm going to go Jennings. Yeah, go you Jennings better believe there. you better go Jennings. They're finally, we talked about it last week, finally addressing the fact that he's going to be the bell cow. That could be mean big things for Rashad. One more, LaShawn McCoy. Boy, everything I've heard coming out of Buffalo is McCoy looks like a bona fide stud. I, I think McCoy is going to be over everybody you named on that list to include Ryan Matthews. That's I'm very start, possible. I'm starting to get the warm fuzzies for, for my boy Shady again. Yeah, I mean, this guy, you know he's a talent. And they say he's back, he's healthy, he's in the best shape of his career. I, uh, One more. All right, DeMarco Murray. Oh, Ryan Matthews all day. Really? I think Derek Henry's takes that job pretty directly. I really do. You think you're going to take the, take the job from DeMarco Murray? He's going to take enough of it to where Ryan Matthews is going to be a lot All more right. valuable. All, All right. right. Well, Fair we, enough. We got a break here. We will be uh, back. Hour two of the second inaugural, because we've had one inaugural. This one's much better than the first inaugural Asylum Fantasy Sports show we've done. We'll be back. More fantasy goodness. My death story, fact or fiction, all coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. We are in hour two here in the sweltering Haunted Barn Studios. Let the music play a little bit uh, long there at the beginning, Rick, because this goes to the story. I'm sure everyone's been hanging off the edge of their seat wanting to know how I almost died just uh, Monday night, I believe it was. You're probably wondering why you're still yapping. Well, I almost wasn't, Rick. I almost took the the eternal sleep. I almost shed my mortal coil. Just remember, when you croak, I need the equipment. It's sitting right here. I mean, everything. You don't know how to use it. It doesn't I'll matter. Be. I'll learn. My, <laughs> I have daughters that are smart. Uh, you better hope they can uh, put together a radio show. Oh, I can put together a lot better than what you can slap together. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tell everybody how you almost croaked. All right, so I play I'll this. I'll sit here. I play this song, Rick, That this portion of this song. Number one, just because it's just an awesome song from an awesome movie. You know what movie this was on the soundtrack of? No. It was from Young Guns. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep, I love so Young Guns. I think two young maybe. Guns. Was it actually Young Guns 2? It doesn't really matter. Love both of them. 
But that line's always stuck with me, let me die like a man, right? That, that's your goal. Now, I think you know this about me, Rick. Maybe you don't. I've always been a bit of a fatalist, meaning for whatever reason, not that I'm hoping for it necessarily, although the older I get, the, the more I do, I think. I've had this feeling for a long time that I was going to die young. Now I'm getting to the point where it won't be long before when I die. You can't say he died young. Everybody feels that Is way. Is that true? I think about it a lot, like a whole lot I think about it. I've always had this sinking feeling. So I've always said, if I'm going to die in my 20s and that that ship has sailed, if I'm going to die in my 30s, that ship's getting real close to sailing, just let me go out. I don't want to die like a punk. Let me die like a man. That's what I want to do. So, Rick, I think I know the answer to this. I know my opinion of it. Let me know if you think if this had been what killed me, if I would have died like a man. So, I think it's Sunday night, Not now that I think. doesn't matter. Sunday or Monday night. My wife's gone to bed at, like, 10 o'clock because she's an adult. You know what I mean. And I'm up watching stupid television Tom shows. Tom and Jerry, probably. I don't remember. Till 1.30 in the morning. So, I slink upstairs as quiet as I can and get into bed trying not to wake her up. I'm laying there a couple minutes. I'm just starting to drift off a little bit, and I have to sneeze. So I don't want to wake my wife up because I've already come crashing. Because I think I'm coming in quietly. I'm certain I come crashing right. in like the Kool-Aid man, and, oh, yeah. you know, bursting through the wall. <clears throat> so I cover my nose, and I go to cover my hand. So yeah, this is visual. But he's, he's showing me over. visually here. You can't see that, but he's covering his nose and mouth with his hand so i kind of pinch my nose off and i'm gonna muffle it in my hand as to keep it as quiet as possible because i'm sure i've already stirred my wife when i crash in the door so i start to sneeze and i hadn't noticed when i put my hand over my mouth and pinched my nose i had the sheet in my hand so when i sneeze you know how you take that big breath in i suck that whole sheet in (laughs) Okay. So I kind of lose my breath a little bit. I go to sneeze again. Out of habit, I do it again. I passed out, Rick, (laughs) from from like the (laughs) the vortex of having my mouth plugged and taking that big suck in. I took so much of the sheet in. I actually, I kind of came to, and I was out of it. I was dizzy. My heart's racing. I was scared to death. I almost died asphyxiating on a bed sheet trying to muffle a sneeze <laughs> is how that many, how a man dies how many times have i passed I, out Rick? how many times have i told you stories of some of my escapades back in the 70s and this yeah, that and the we, other you're having a good time and this is what i get <laughs> this is what i, I almost smothered myself with a sheet i passed out <laughs> i actually i lost oh a little bit God. of memory I came to, and you know how after you pass out, your head's kind of swimming, or you get knocked out, your head's kind of swimming a little bit, you don't know where you're at? I woke up in a total fog, no clue where I was at, no clue what had happened. I almost choked to death on a freaking bed sheet. That is not a manly way to die. No, right? it's not. No. It's, it's just it's a moron's way to die, <laughs> and it, it kind of suits you, but still... <laughs> You don't want to see that happen. No. Like I would, I would rather see you get hit with a bus or something like that instead of being asphyxiated by a sheet, by a bed sheet, trying to muffle a sneeze. It's kind of, it's kind of like the Naked Gun, you know, where That's they throw what, the 
pillow at <laughs> Leslie Nielsen in the fight, and he's just holding it against his face, and he can't get it. You know, it, it's almost killing him, and all it is is a pillow. I mean, it, it's. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, the, the second thing that came across my mind, so I kind of come to figure out what happened, and the first thing thought, my God, if I die that, what a punk way to die. And that's just been my only goal was to die young and to die like a man. So I would have failed miserably there. My second thought was, if you could somehow manage to get a show on the air, what you would have said. Or oh, if this had happened oh, I to if this had happened to some poor third party and I read this story on on Yahoo News, I would have rushed up here and we would have recorded a special episode so I could discuss the moron who choked himself to death on a bed sheet, only it was freaking me. It was, how does this happen? I am almost 40 years old, Rick. I'm a man. What happened here? We know Scott Fish. We do. You know, the, the creator of the Scott Fish Bowl 480, the tech genius that he is. I'd get a show on the air. <laughs> Thank you, Trust help, me. Yeah. Oh, him and Ty and, and Frank and everybody else would give me a... You guys would have just crushed me. Just a, It would have been hysterical. And you should have. I mean, I know. how pathetic is this? I am a man, for no, God's sake. No, you're not. You're and obviously... I choked myself... I, no, I didn't almost... I choked myself out with a bench. Yeah, Who do you could pass you know out what that so is? Fast? You know what that is? Crib death. Yeah. You're a I died a freaking infant. I died of sins at 40 yeah, years old. You're still an infant. <laughs> oh, man. I was just Which appalled. I guess is what we've been accused of for years. Yeah, I was just appalled by it. Who knew you could pass out that easily from that? I think it was the second sneeze. I, I don't know what it was. It just I got no air in. I, it's really weird. That is strange. <laughs> I, the strange part is that, that you went through to such extremes to muffle a sneeze. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's insane. Who knew I was so polite? I thought you were a man. Who knew I was such a gentleman? Yeah, exactly. Obviously, your wife didn't. Well, she still doesn't. I didn't tell her about this. Well, no, that would be embarrassing, too. Well, you know what else would have happened? Because I I choked to death on a bed sheet. Data had to have assumed she killed me, right? Because no one's going to believe the sneeze story. So then she'd do 20 years in the pen and my poor daughter be in foster care or something. All because I'm too stupid to sneeze. I can't handle a sneeze. Yeah, that that is bad. Okay. Let's move on. I feel glad I got that off my chest. I'm embarrassed. Should I be? I'm embarrassed. I what do you think be, of right? Michael Phelps and his 21 gold medals? What Isn't f- that insane? Just a freak. Just a freak of nature. It is. I mean, this guy's a human fish. And we're looking right now through the current medal count. United States leads with 26. Nine gold, eight silver, nine bronze. Um, China is second with 17, 8 gold, 3 silver, 6 bronze. And here's one that really stuck out at me. Japan's third in the medal count at 14. 3 gold, 1 silver, 10 bronze. They're cleaning up third place. Yeah, they're whacking the bronze, everybody. And then Russia's at 12 at 3, 6, and 3. Feels like the U.S. But, always cleans up at the Summer Olympics, doesn't it? We're I'm not surpri- so good at the winter stuff. I'm surprised but. to see the Germans aren't up there, quite frankly. Well, we, when we get to, like, the throwing stuff and the lifting stuff, yeah, that's what they're Yeah, boxing, good at. lifting, yeah. and all that kind yeah, of the, stuff, yeah. The, what's the thing uh, the shot put the, shot put the hammer throw thing. yeah the fr- yeah the, discus yeah they're good at that stuff all those eastern bloc countries are good at throwing heavy stuff so they'll make yeah, but germany's really not comeback. an eastern bloc country anymore they're like yeah. the democratic superpower of europe yeah well they're there i guess they're in that region they're still tough yeah they're not 
Yeah, they get restless every few years, and yeah, that's, you know. It gets stirred up take a little notice. bit. <laughs> what do you think of RG3 being named a Brown starter? Does that come oh, as I, any surprise no, to you? No, not at all. I mean, Does I he assumed finish the that. season as the Brown starter? I assumed that. I, if he stays healthy, I don't see why he wouldn't, quite frankly. Um, I think he really has to become – How do I put this? I mean, other than saying becoming a quarterback, right? To keep it. I mean, this this guy has to start recognizing defenses, has to start making quick and logical decisions instead of being RG three. He's not RG three anymore. No, Michael Vick couldn't do it. No. Once he wasn't Michael Vick anymore, he really wasn't an NFL quarterback. RG3 has to adapt. And, you know, the NFL's caught up with these quote-unquote running quarterbacks. Right. Okay? You've got to be like Wilson or Newton, where it's a part of your game, not yeah, your whole game. exactly. Fran Tarkington. I mean, even yeah, way yeah. back that, that many years ago. That can only be a part of being a quarterback. You can't be a running quarterback and expect to succeed. You know, Russell Wilson, he's a complete quarterback. Absolutely. Cam Newton's a complete quarterback. Aaron Rodgers with his legs, complete quarterback. That's what RG3 has to morph into if it's possible on that team, I don't know. That's what that's what I'm intrigued by with this this RG3. Don't draft him to your fantasy team unless you're playing in a, in a super unless flex. Unless you already have Drew Brees. Yeah, if you're or if you're playing in a super flex, he's a nice low end two or a third quarterback to be to be carrying around. But where I think the kid's got a chance, and I don't know why I root for this guy. I don't know if 2012 was just so exciting watching. I don't know what it is. He seems like he's weird. I like weird guys. He's a really weird guy. Check out his Twitter feed every now and again. The goofy crap that comes out of this guy's uh, mouth is incredible. But I heard Hugh Jackson interviewed, and I have my doubts about anything just because even if RG3 could do it, he's got nothing around him. He just doesn't have the horses around him. But he was asked about, are you going to try to morph RG3 into a, a pocket passer? That's the, the buzz phrase we like to throw around. Or are you going to design your offense to fit his style like the Redskins did in 2012 and then sort of got away with, from, and you know he could never replicate that success and, and was hurt and couldn't get on the field last year. And Jackson said it was going to be a hybrid. They were going to have packages that lets RG3 do what he does best. And obviously they're going to run their, their typical pro sets, whatever Hugh Jackson puts into the offense. I think with not having the pressure of being told like he was in 2013, you're going to stand in that pocket, you're going to be you know, Tom Brady, you're going to be Alex Smith, you're going to be a statue back there, you're going to run the offense. To have the options to do what he's comfortable with while developing this pocket passing game, look, I don't expect him to light the world up. I think he's got a chance to succeed. Maybe I think, or maybe I just hope he does. I don't know. I root for the kid. Oh, I do, too. I'm intrigued by it. I really am. But how ludicrous is it there, Rick? Just, I mean, your point exactly. Um, how ludicrous would it be to tell Tom Brady, you know, we're, we're going to need you to run out of the pocket. <laughs> yeah, you'd never see it go the other way. You're right. right. So, yeah, I mean, to make this guy a complete quarterback – doesn't necessarily mean he can't run. I mean, that's part of him. That's 
that's part of RG3. That's hell. That's part of Aaron Rodgers. That's part of Ben Roethlisberger. How many times has he extended plays? True. With a scramble that didn't gain forty yards, but he broke three or four tackles and got a pass play downfield. If RG3 can get away from a pass pass rush and get a playoff to Gary Barnage, you know, Isaiah Crowell, whoever, you know, and, and gain a few yards, that's what makes you a successful quarterback. You don't need to have every single play rely on your legs right. to win the game. Cam Newton's starting to re- realize this. He's been, he's the perfect hybrid. Yeah, right I mean, he's – Look, this guy's a freak. Okay? Yeah, he's otherworldly. You right. can't really draw a he's comparison. He's Jimmy Hendrix right. to, you know, you know if, if you're comparing. This is what this guy does. But in a comparison, he's still maturing as a quarterback where he's using – and God help the NFL, if, if Kelvin Benjamin keeps his confidence and he stays healthy, they had the development of Devin Funchess. Greg Olson. Yeah, you got Greg Olson. You still have Ted Ginn, who still you know can catch half the passes. Yeah, one out of four, baby. He's going <laughs> yeah. deep, brother. I'm telling you, you know Cam Newton has really, um, yeah, matured, but he's expanded his talent as a quarterback. Absolutely. This, I mean, and, and this is what RG three needs <laughs> to do. Are the weapons around him in Cleveland, like they like no. in Carolina, no. not a chance, not a chance. But you still have Gary Barnage, Isaiah Crowell showed some signs. I'm of more flash. intrigued with Duke Johnson when Duke Johnson RG3 as well. is your starter. Yeah, I mean, well, a nice little one-two punch of nothing right, else. Right. No, absolutely. The wide receivers scare me in Cleveland. Yeah, if, if you get Gordon back, and, and we'll save the real discussion for that because he's question one in uh, Factor Fiction here in, in segment four, if we can get him back. But that's – I think I just – did you hear me? Did I just snort? Did you hear that? I, I didn't hear it, but I, I don't pay any attention to you anyway. So <laughs> You do. As soon as I start talking, he just puts his nose in that damn computer. <laughs> and then when I stop talking, he looks up at me panicked, wondering what the conversation's about. But what intrigues me a little bit, when you look at right now going into week one, throw Josh Gordon out for right now because we're not going to see him for the first four games. And I think it's up in the air what you see after that. So in, in your mind, Rick, who are the two best weapons on offense that the Cleveland Browns have? Weapons. Um, RG3 and Gary Barnage. Well, take RG3 out. Okay, Gary Barnage. Probably Duke Johnson. Exactly. For for me, it, it's I don't even have to think about it. It's, I mean, I'm not I'm not as quick as you are to give up on Crowell. No, no, no. And Crowell's going to get his work. But it, to say number one and two, Barnage one, Johnson two. What two types of weapons are the best complement to a quarterback that likes to roll out? It's a tight end who can catch the ball, and it's a running back that right. can catch the ball. So their two best weapons almost fit the style of at least what RG3 is going to want to try to do. The jury's out of whether or not he can still do it, right? Obviously in 2012 right. he was one of the best in the league at it, and it got real hairy after that. But their two strongest points are that tight end, that pass-catching running back, that are a perfect complement to what RG3 hopes to accomplish. So if RG3 can get back some of that form he had in his rookie year – 
look, there's still the Browns are going to win three games. I understand all that, but it's intriguing to me. It sets up pretty well for RG3 to have whatever you success like you can about have the Browns. in Cleveland. You know what I like about the Browns? They could be a three-win team or an eight-win team. Yeah. They really could. It's possible. And, and that's I'd what, lean closer to the three. But you look at, okay, Pittsburgh, I mean, it's their division to lose. Cincinnati's taking a little bit of a step back. Baltimore, you're not real real sure what's going to happen with them. I mean, Baltimore's you, a question mark. I don't know if Cincinnati you, took a step back. Oh, I think so. Definitely. I mean, mentally, but the talent they're putting out on the field. I mean, I don't know if you ever recover from that meltdown they had in Wild Card Weekend last year. But if you can, God knows the talent's there. If you can rein it in. But I'm saying Cleveland could be a three-win to an eight-win team season. I think Cleveland could go over, quite frankly. No, no chance. Cleveland's defense will keep them competitive enough to win a few games. Let's hope. That's that's what stinks about them being so bad for so long. I, as a lifelong Pittsburgh Steelers fan, find myself – when they're not playing the Steelers, almost rooting for the Browns. I feel bad for them, and I never thought I'd have said that. It's weird how that rivalry keeps changing. It was the the Raiders for a long, you know, in the 70s, and it was the Browns for over 20 years, and then it became Baltimore, and now it's Cincinnati. That heated rivalry for the Steelers keeps changing. Oh, yeah. What's interesting is, and I guess bully for us as Steeler fans, is they're always one of them. Yeah. yeah, they're the ones who haven't taken a slide back, so so that's pretty good. Now here is a uh, breaking story right now that um, from uh, Ian Rappaport that um, Stevie Johnson ruled out for the season for the San Diego Chargers. Wow! So you basically have, of course, Keenan Allen. Yeah, Inman. Uh, yeah, yeah, but Inman, he, he's not the um, – I mean, he probably steps up to no, number two, though, now, doesn't he? No. No? All right. Now, what is wrong with you? Who am I forgetting? Well, if you want to count Gates, I'm talking wide receivers. Well, okay. Wh- wh- Why are want- you snorting in derision at me? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't care for it. I'm not trying to be to snort at you. I think you are. No. I mean, well, yeah. that's even worse. It's, it's just it's an involuntary called, reflex at it's, this point. It's actually called chortling. All right. Because I am – who, who am I forgetting then? Well, think about the move that they made this year. I'm thinking. Okay, think about it. Keenan Allen's back. All right. We talked about Melvin Gordon, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, why? What do you mean, why? I mean, why, why are we thinking about Melvin Gordon and – and and the Chargers. I have no idea where you're going with this, Rick. Travis Benjamin is that who you're talking about? Well, yeah. I mean, there's Travis Benjamin. You got you got Antonio Gates. You have Keenan Allen. You have Travis Benjamin. Benjamin's just a deep threat, though. That's all he is. I mean, Inman's going to get a lot of looks. Is all I'm saying. Travis He's ben- not going to catch a hell of a lot. Travis of Benjamin had 68 catches, 988 yards with freaking Cleveland last year. Put him with Phil Rivers. Stevie yeah. Johnson's out of the picture. Yeah. I now, love St- Travis Benjamin. You do. This year. You, you've had a, you loved him last year. You had a thing for, for Travis Benjamin. I mean, I just like the guy, but now that he's out of Cleveland he's like and his in hair. San That's Diego. What you're trying to grow right now is yeah. Benjamin's hair. Yeah. I'm not going to dreadlock it, though. You should. Do you ever dreadlock? 
No. Back when you were a hippie? No. no. I never. No, not this hippie stuff, okay? <laughs> I just had hair, okay? You should get a cut. You need a haircut. Huey now. Thomason. That's, that's what I look like. It's a Huey Thomason. Greg Almason. Greg Allman, I mean, excuse me. I can't picture him. I've heard of him. Wait, see, you're an idiot. He was one of the brothers, right? The Allman brothers. Well, yeah. What was the other guy's <laughs> hey, name? Dwayne. Dwayne. Daryl. Dwayne My other Allman. brother, Daryl. He played with uh, Eric Clapton on Derek and the Dominoes. Dwayne Allman. Oh, yeah. Wait, Eric Clapton was in a band called Derek and the Dominoes? Who was Derek? It was just a name. He, were all, he was also in a band called Blind Faith. So Clapton was He was Derek? also in a band called Cream. He was also in a band called the Yardbirds. I mean, you know so little. But was he Derek, or was he a Domino? I would think Eric Clapton's got to be Derek, right? I don't know. <clears throat> Dwayne Allman was pretty badass then, but he got killed in a motorcycle wreck. You never listen to Yardbirds? Probably. I'd probably Cream? know a song if I heard. I've heard of them. Yeah. You never listen to Cream? In the white room with black curtains. I know the song. The I can't say I sat around with my eight track and listened to it. Why? I was born in 1977. Exactly. You know, your parents should have should have exposed you to this stuff. My daughter was born in 1985 and loves John Fogarty from Creedence Clearwater Revival, who I'm sure you've at least yeah, heard I know of. a lot of that. Okay, yeah, yeah. well. You know, I mean, you know, I expose my children to classics. I grew, I grew up on, fortunately or unfortunately, I grew up in a country music house. If there yeah. was any music, I don't remember. I remember it was terrible. I don't know how I became so into radio that this is what I want to do. Right. I can remember car rides where he didn't have the radio on. I don't know what he was doing. Oh, I remember my dad was the same way. Unless it was a and my dad's the exact same age as you, so I mean, it's not. You know what I mean? I know. It's, not, yeah. it's, it's really weird. Well, I remember my dad. He'd be, gee whiz, he'd be ninety-six if he was alive. If it wasn't a pirate ball game, there was no radio on. Anywhere. Yeah, we listened to the ball and games. By God, you didn't turn nothing on either. No, you, you didn't think. Yeah, but I can remember now that you—I'd never really thought about it to just now. But I remember riding around in silence a lot. Oh yeah, no if the doubt. radio was on, it'd be like the local AM station, and they play you know a lot of news and then some country music in between. You know, no, was, we didn't even get that. But he had. I dug out a box one time at the bay. You know, there was the eight track uh, stereo system, and he had all the junk you talk about all the time. I don't know why he quit listening to. It. I Probably don't know. because you were born. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he saw the error of his ways when I chortled at him anytime he played that awful music. <laughs> like what you call cl- classics, just old, right? I mean, some of it's pretty good. I you get know tired of You it. know what's I really do. weird? All right. Is I saw something just the other day. They were playing classic songs, and it was like from frickin' 1995. Oh, don't think I don't get bitter at that when I turn on the classic rock station yeah. and I start hearing stuff that I had yeah, tapes I mean, and CDs when, when, of. I'm like, I'm not that old when yet. When you think of classic rock, you should think of, like, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Creedence Clearwater Revival, The Doors, not Collective Soul, <laughs> not Pearl Jam, Okay. Which I do like. Yeah, how and long do you got to be out of the game to be classic? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that's kind of strange that um, people get lumped into it. Did you ever see, and of course we're really getting off topic We've only here. got a couple minutes left in this segment, so let's Did just you ride see, it out. Did you ever watch the, um, I don't even know if it was MTV or whatever, but they have like the, 
the top 500 greatest rock and roll songs. Yeah, of VH1 all time. does that all yeah, the time. Something like yeah, something Yeah, But you ever notice that American Pie is always top five? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is like the. It doesn't matter how old that song is. That is just a great song. Well, two reasons I think. Number one, it's we have. It's a great song. I do. I enjoy that one. I, I really do. I could probably sing every word. To yeah, it. me too. But I think that's why it's number one on these lists. For for that reason, number one because it's a mile long. For some reason, we have an affinity for that. Somebody has the guts to do that. It is great. It's like yeah. four and a half hours long or something. <laughs> yeah. And it makes not a damn bit of sense. So it captured our imagination as we sit around, drunk, stoned, or whatever you choose to do, right. and try to figure out what the hell he's yeah. talking about. And in a lot of cases, it's just speculation. I think we know the gist he's getting for, but it didn't make a lick of sense. And I think we're intrigued by that yeah, as a population. It was great. I, mean, I don't know why that intrigues, but it intrigues me. It fit the time perfectly. I mean, some of it's obvious. Yeah, other part of it's, it's the whole really plane bad. crash with Ricky Vine or the Big yeah, Bopper well, and Buddy yeah, Holly. Buddy Holly, exactly. That's what he's talking the about. The but all that, died. all that crap in the middle. Well, like the um, the quartet practice in the park. Of course, that was the Beatles. See, that's people you love know. to sit around and have this conversation. Yeah, well, that's why. The, the, this is, yeah, proves and, my and, point. Yeah, it's what the jester stole the the. Yeah, the jester was uh, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan yeah. stole Elvis's thorny crown. Yeah, who yeah. was the king of rock and roll and so forth. See, everybody yeah. wants to have this conversation. That's yeah. why it comes into the top of that list all the time. And, and, and it, but you know, even if you knew, it's just a great song. I mean, it, it's kind of, I mean, it flows along like you said. It's a mile and a half long, but it flows. It's not like some convoluted. Yeah. You know, chaotic, you know, symphony or whatever. It just goes on and on. And and it's just a great song, but I don't even know what the point was. Yeah, I don't know where you were going with it, but uh, I, I always yeah. like bringing that song up. I do know. like American Pie. Yeah, it's a, I guess that's the conclusion of the story. <laughs> that's how we'll wrap it up. You know what? And it's time for a break. That's perfect. So our takeaway from this entire segment mm-hmm. is... We like American Pie from Don McLean. No matter what your mother told you, don't <laughs> cover your mouth when you sneeze. Yeah. Number one. Right. Number two, we like American Pie. <laughs> there you go. So hold on to your seats. If that's not enough, we're coming back for one more segment. It is fact or fiction. Ooh, back I like that. On the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show right after this. All right, wrapping up the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network at Asylum Football I'd on Twitter. To music. Well, you can just sit around and yeah. listen to you. Do we like chill or take it, or are you just going to listen? I just like the song. It's a good, it's a great song. song. Yeah, really, we're talking song. about songs that we liked in the previous segment. <laughs> I believe that. How about Jim Furyk's '58? That's something. That's amazing. And he lost. Well, yeah, but, I mean, he was one over through three rounds. Yeah, yeah. And ended up, um, I think, 11 under for the tournament. I mean, he was playing at the TPC at River Highlands. He was 11 under par through the first 12 holes. That's just stupid. He had... I got to be honest, Rick, I didn't watch it. Was the course playing especially easy or something? It was playing easy, but I don't really care. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, you no. shoot a 58. Yeah, I don't care. On a 68 to 6,900-yard par 70 course. That's what's most impressive to me. I heard some dummy on a radio or podcast, one of the shows I listen to, say he's less impressed because it's only a par 70. That in reality, that's a 60. No, 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 no stupid. It's a 58. It, it's a 58 plus. You're out two par fives where you can steal an eagle when a course is playing easy. 
So actually, I'm more impressed by a 58 on a 70 than I would be on a 60 on a 72. Yeah, I, I agree. 70, tell me if I'm wrong. but No, I, I agree 100%, and I would like to know who the dummy was. I can't that, remember what show I was listening to. And I'd like those, to play him around a golf because he doesn't impress me at all. It's probably like people do when they listen to our show. I'm screaming at my phone as I'm listening right. to this show, and I'm sure we incite that in, in a lot of folks. But he had two pars in Eagle and um, the rest birdies the first 12 holes. That's just so steady. He had seven birdies in a row from number six through number 12. <laughs> it's just crazy. In, in a row. I mean, I don't give a hoot what course you're playing. You could be playing some 5,800-yard muni golf yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, you could take a pro to a dog track that I play, and you're not going to get that no, type of result. No, you play shoot 12 under par. Yeah. Uh, you don't minimize that kind of stuff. Who doesn't just yip a putt somewhere along the way and two putts somewhere, yeah, even three I mean, putts uh, somewhere along the way. And this is coming from a guy that he's uh, 46 years old. Well, yeah, there's that and, too. Yeah, and he's only four years away from the senior tour. But, uh, you know, I don't know. 46 doesn't mean much to me. Of course, you know I'm, I'm well past that. Well past that. Jack Nicholas won a six-green jacket at 46. Yeah, yeah. I think as the equipment gets better – I don't even want to give it to the equipment, but as conditioning gets better, the equipment. I think we've turned the corner where for a long time it was all about being a long hitter as they tried to tiger-proof these courses. We seem to have turned the corner now that we're getting back to more traditional golf and shot Well, making. I think they need more. I need. I think for the pro tour, seriously, I think they do need to dummy the ball down a little bit. Okay. Um, so the ball's livelier now than it was 30 oh years ago? Well, sure it was, especially with – if you take a 100-compression golf ball, let's just – I mean, say a 100-compression golf ball is a 100-compression golf ball, no matter if it was 40 years ago or now. Okay. I, I don't even know about the technology of golf balls. But with the equipment improvements that they've had, it's it's a much – livelier ball as opposed to hitting it with a steel shaft and a wooden head. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Okay. So you I think mean, they, they need to deaden the ball a little I bit? Think, I think for the pro tour, they did, for the amateurs, keep it the way it is. Oh, give me one made out of something off a exactly. spaceship that will just fly forever. That's what I, I mean. I mean, I remember way back in the day when, when Top Flight came out. It was the two-piece golf ball. I hated Top Flights because they flew off my irons so much farther. Ah, you couldn't you didn't know what club you needed. Right. I mean I I was I was a guy that played um, you know, Titleist or Hogan. And I, I knew what to expect from them. <clears throat> then of course when I started playing with the you know, the top flight come out, of course you tried it. It was like, man, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah and, they're probably and, all like that now. Well yeah, I, I gotta assume that. And then with the drivers that they have now and so forth. But anyway, that's getting away. 58 to 58. Yeah. That's a hell of a score. Yeah, The uh, big, hearty asylum football thumbs up. On but I that. think everybody has been anxiously awaiting for three segments. Three segments? It's been over a year. Well, probably not uh, over yeah. a year, but nine months or so. It is time once again for the game that has been sweeping the nation. It's fact. Or fiction. Or fiction. Unfortunately, you can't hear those sounders over the music. So, Rick, let's <laughs> jump right into it. I don't think I need to explain the rules, do you? 
I am going. No. I'm going to be the Pat, Pat Say Jack of this. Rick will do all the answering. I'm as, Vanna White. As I did show prep, and Rick didn't. If we're going to pull the curtain, back I always do bit. show prep. You just didn't do the right show prep. So let's move it on here a little bit. But I'm Rick, good looking, like Vanna White. Well, you got the same length hair. That's probably about it. That old bag's still getting it done too. You got to give it to. Have you seen her? She is still. <laughs> That whole bag. She's keeping it tight and bully to her on that one. All right, Rick, let's start it out. Hey, have you seen before we <laughs> We're get never going to gonna fit, get there. <laughs> have you seen Sally Field lately? Probably not real lately, no. Well, I mean. Within the last 10 years, probably. Well, I mean, yeah. she probably hasn't changed a whole lot, really. Yeah. I mean, I saw a picture every day. She's freaking 70. Still getting it done? It's amazing. Good for her. I mean, Good she just her. really hasn't changed. In like 30 years. I mean, how I come completely undone at about 28 years old. Yeah. Well, well look at me. Well, you, you, I mean, I've looked like this for 35 years. You've been a mess as long as I've known you, that's exactly. for sure. Let's get back to the All game. Right, that's fact sweeping or the, fiction. Rick, sweeping the damnation. Fact or fiction. Le'Veon Bell plays 12 or more games in 2016. Not a chance. Yeah, I mean... Likely, he's only gonna only has an opportunity to play twelve. He only, yeah, he only has the opportunity to play twelve. And with his given history, I do not have any faith that he can completely do twelve games. Yeah, so no. So, what does that do for you? As when this guy's still being drafted, you know what, Rick? Late first round. Nine, I don't know what his current ADP is, but I see him go about eight, nine very often. I mean, how far does it have to fall before you take a chance? Because you know, I mean, I guess he could beat the thing. That's still up in the air. We should be getting that decision soon. He seems confident of it. I'm less confident. Let's say he sits out those four. I got to assume he misses at least another four, Rick, with injury or parts of another four. Where do you pull the trigger on Le'Veon Bell? I don't think I'm going to own any Le'Veon Bell shares because I'm not going to go as early as he's going to have. No, no, there's no chance. I will not have any Le'Veon Bell this year, I'm sure. And because you have to – you're going to have to go second round, period. At the latest. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, mean, that's – that is the very latest, you're right, and there's no chance. Yeah, that, I mean, I, that I'm going that early. I'm on thinking Bell. late third, third, fourth round turn is the first place I'd think about it. Look, if he plays in 12 games, he probably finishes in the top five of fantasy running. But I don't have any faith that he does. No, I don't either. You know, if I game in and I, he wasn't suspended and I knew he was going to miss four, I think he's still a, a late first rounder for me. But he was going to be first overall if he, you know, or if third overall if he wasn't going to be suspended. So. Yeah, I think Le'Veon Bell's going to be overvalued. I look for another big year for from D'Angelo Williams. You know what I didn't realize? I heard on another game show on another podcast that D'Angelo Williams was tied for the league league in rushing touchdowns last year. Did oh, you yeah. know that? I wasn't yes, aware I of that. Know that. Yeah. It hadn't dawned on me. Even if Bell's healthy, you got to give D'Angelo the ball a certain amount of time. Look, Le'Veon Bell's a special talent. You play him when he's in there. I don't worry about the, D'Angelo cutting into his carries too much, but he's going to get some this, work. I'll put this to you. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you are already confounded by Le'Veon Bell. You have 33-year-old D'Angelo Williams. I'm using D'Angelo Williams as much as I can use him in 2016 because you know what? It's probably it. Yeah, it's probably it. Yeah. And you know what? As brilliantly as he performed last year – 
I can expect similar numbers from him when I play him. So, yeah, I, there's no chance that I'm going in on Le'Veon Bell as early as you're going to have no, to get him. No, Not no. even close. I agree with you. I'm going to own zero Le'Veon Bell shares. All right, Rick, this is an interesting one. I hope you follow it. Fact or fiction, the zero running back strategy will be a winner this year. No, you have to have running backs. And zero running back strategy to me, you know, and maybe I'm wrong a little bit, is you're going wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. You're looking at the sixth round maybe before you start tight looking end, running backs. Maybe quarterback, wide receiver, whatever, before you even get a running back. No. I, I don't think you can win with that type of strategy. Now, the reason I ask this question is I, along with many people, implored, employed this strategy last year in the League of Consequence, Rick, and we all know how that ended up, right? Yeah, but let's not forget that you made a lot of deals I did. through I did. the course of I the did. season. I mean, you traded Odell Beckham. But I had the ability to do that because I took so many wide receivers. But you also had running backs. Right. Well, I, you I, made hit, on the, deals. I hit on D'Angelo. Exactly. That's, that, that's my point. If you go that strategy, you have to hit on a D'Angelo Williams. You right. have to hit on an Alfred Morris. You have to hit on, I don't know, a Carlos Hyde. Right, right. That's the only way that you can win. But historically, that's the point of it. It's a risk. You're taking the high end on the wide receivers. But to say that strategy is a winner. Well, for two years, Rick, it was. Last year and the season before, that was a winner. The person who went that strategy and hit on late-round running backs was successful. I think it's not going to work this year. I'm thinking completely different from you. You're thinking more traditionally, look, you got to be well-rounded, you got to have talent. It's not going to work because it has worked, at least in theory, for the last two seasons, that everybody's doing it. This is where I caution you. Well, that's This tr- is what I had true. to do. If you look at my draft in the Fantasy Greek Draft Guide, you check it out, Amazon.com, search for the Fantasy Greek Draft Guide. Yeah, you can see my team, too. <laughs> Everybody did it. I was almost forced to pick him from the 10 spot. I went running back, running back, wide receiver, running back, if I'm not mistaken, or, or somewhere in that vein. Because I am holding. Well, don't get facts it's visual. here. Yeah, as he waves it around, all proud of it. The point <laughs> is, if, you're, if you get yourself stuck into this zero running back theory, you're going to be reaching for guys real early. You're going to see guys that I like, but you're going to see guys like Allen Robinson going in the late first, early second. You're going to see it's going to be so watered down that you're not going to get the talent of wide receivers in the second or third round where I think it's going to be who fantasy owners this year to almost go traditional, buck the trend. In fact, Rick, I've seen some scuttle, and I'm almost in this boat, employing a zero wide receiver strategy. I'm going to load up with top end running back and tight end talent, and then I'll draft nine wide receivers at the end in a PPR format. I just got to hit on two. We go to the fantasy Greek expert mock draft. Rick Flieger went Adrian Peterson – the 10th pick overall in the first round. He also got Jamal Charles in round two. 
which I'm now starting to think that might have been a little early. Well, but maybe, but you can see my time, strategy. Yeah. You can see my strategy. Rick, then he goes round three, Jarvis Landry. That's my boy. Round four. Where are you at here? Okay, oh, Alan Hearns. Okay. And then round five, Ben Roethlisberger. So okay. I got away from trying to load up. I got a two guys I like, two kind of breakout guys. But if you look at the first and second rounds there, Rick, they went running or wide receiver crazy. Everyone was trying to employ that that status. I'll, that be, I'll be honest with you. Where I was at six, I went Brandon Marshall, Jordy Nelson, um, C.J. Anderson, Thomas Rawls, and Larry Fitzgerald. Pretty pretty good start. It's not bad. I yeah. mean, I don't think either one of us went but, zero. But th- that's my point. What you did, I know it. You didn't, and I write about it in my, didn't we write a postscript to right, that? Yeah. Did he publish that? Is that in there? Yeah. I write in it that I went into it with a zero running back strategy, and I bailed on it by the 10th pick because of the way the draft was going. What I know about you and where I think you're a dying breed, but I think it's going to be on the comeback, is everybody's got there's a no running back strategy. Now there's the no wide receiver strategy. You have the best available strategy. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what I that's try what to you do. Yeah. Did, and, and that's a dying breed. And I think we got to the point where everything's so watered down with all these strategies that I think after a couple years of that working, what Rick Briggs does with the best available strategy is going to put together better teams. Look, you could get away. I think maybe if you pick it one to three and you come out of it with Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, or Odell Beckham. And then if it doesn't go too crazy and you come back in the late second and you can get a Mike Evans and a Keenan Allen, that's where it's worth doing. Don't try to force it at the end of your draft. Right. Don't try to force it. So I think that's where you're going to see divergent strategies. And we, and we look at strategies, and Rick and I differ quite a bit as far as – now, he is not risk-averse by any stretch. You are. Oh, I throw it out. You're there. a risk taker. That's why I win the championship or I miss the playoffs. Right. <laughs> and and I win a lot of divisions and I make the playoffs just about every, every year. year. Every year, you're and the I, top I third win of the a league. few titles here and there, but not like you do. Yeah, right. I don't win as many titles as you. I win more divisions than you. Right. If I'm right, I do what I did in 2015, where I won five titles out of six leagues. Right. The only one I didn't win was the Scott Fishball. Right. The other five, I, I actively participate. Not best ball. I throw all. We do a hundred of those every oh, exactly. off season. But the of the six teams, I actively managed. I cut, pared it down to six last year because of DeAndre Hopkins. I was a round ahead of everybody on him. There were some other guys. Was Hopkins and Landry were two of the big ones. Yep. I took risks on – Hopkins wasn't a big risk, but I was a round earlier than everybody. I took him early second round in every draft. So that year, last year, five out of six, I won championships in. I won to the point where I bought myself a championship belt because I was so <laughs> damn proud of myself. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you love yourself. Exactly. Now, I'd had a couple-year drought, Rick, where I believe the Fantasy Greek League was the only one I'd won the two years previous. And then going Well, there back, were some years, I know, like in our League of Consequence, where you were 
Dog poo. Cool. I mean, you know, just horrifying. I basically, I, what, I won the title in 09, and I won it in 15. There were some lean years in between oh, yeah. there. No because doubt. I take the risk. So, right. So you play to be in the dance. I play, I shoot for the moon every time. Yeah, and you have to you have to determine what type. Of, Who are you? That's that, what it is. Yeah, Who that is you? the whole point of this conversation. You have to determine what type of stamp you want to put on your team. As Rick says... I put, I try to get the best available player. I want a consistent, solid, deep team. Rick goes after, and I, I I use this too much sometimes. I know, but the splash and dash guys. Yep. I mean, you want the big, you want the big playability. You want the high ceiling and the very low floor. Right, right. I mean, when it gets right down the to Beanie it. Wells, it, yeah, <laughs> Beanie, the floor. Beanie Wells. DeAndre awesome. Hopkins being the ceiling, Beanie Wells being the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to be honest, pull the curtain back, and then we'll get to the next question. I, I'll just leave you with this. This show, before this show started, I was you. Once this show yeah. started, I get in front of this microphone, and I'm a big mouth thumping my chest. I'm that guy on the air. So then I go out and draft these guys I'm beating my chest about yeah. because I feel like I have to. <laughs> I'm almost boxed in. I boxed myself in and have turned myself into this player. Well, let's move on here, Rick. Fact or fiction, and I hope you've been following the news so this question makes Always. sense to you. Fact or fiction, Brandon Marshall will finish with finish with more receiving yards than Antonio Brown. That's a tall order. It is. I it mean, is. it really now, he is. He said he was going to do it. Well, I mean, and if there's anybody, be honest with, with yourself or – Anything. If there's anybody that can, I think Brandon Marshall can. This is a guy that is – he's not a Des Bryant. He's not a Jordy Nelson, i.e. gets hurt. Right. Okay? He's also has matured into a true team leader. He's got his head right finally, literally and figuratively, yeah. not to make light of mental illness. And, and I'm talking and, – but you're talking Antonio Brown. That is a tall order. And with this Steeler offense, the sky is the limit for Antonio Brown. If anybody can't beat him, it's, it's Brandon Marshall. But I don't think he's going to. Or DeAndre Hopkins. But I don't like Hopkins because I'm not that crazy about Osweiler with the deep ball this year right. as opposed to last year. But other than that, I tell you what, Antonio Brown, I, I'm just glad I'm the number one pick. In our league of consequence, because Antonio Brown makes it easy. Yeah, and the, the look, the uh, let's be honest. The only thing I love Odell Beckham. I love Hopkins. I love Beckham. I think I already said that. Yeah. I love Julio Jones, but the only thing that stops Antonio Brown from perform being the number one wide receiver both in yeah, NFL yard is if Roethlisberger goes down, which is a distinct possibility. Look, there's always the possibility that Brown goes down himself, but he has no history of that. He's been healthy, so God forbid that would happen to an Antonio Brown. But it's a legitimate concern that Ben Roethlisberger misses significant time, and we've seen what that does to Antonio Brown's number. But save for that, I agree 100%. Brandon Marshall could give him a run. I think Brandon Marshall started this fake feud to give himself a little extra motivation to go for it. But all things being equal, Ben Roethlisberger being healthy week in and week out, I don't think Marshall yeah, can get there. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick now under contract yeah, and in training a camp, shot. it's a lot better chance than Geno Smith. All right, Rick. Fact or fiction? 
Adrian Peterson will finish this season as a top three fantasy running back. The guy's a machine. He's still the bell cow of Minnesota. And and barring a significant injury, I mean, we always have to assume right. this. We assume health when we have right. these discussions. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt. He still could be number one. I don't know what it is. I, and that's why I asked this question. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got this gnawing feeling deep in the recesses, in the cobwebs of my feeble brain. I'm just wondering, does the slowdown come at some point? I'm going to say fact here. I'm, I'm going to agree because I'm going to assume hell. I've just got this nagging suspicion. I don't know what it is. And I bring these up when I, get, when I have them, Rick, when I have nothing fact-based, statistically based. i got nothing to base it on. I've just got this gnawing feeling in the deep recesses of my brain that he might be due for a bit of a regression. You know, you have to think that when he starts to get to that age, but I am more in tune to making him akin to a Thomas Jones. You remember Thomas Jones at 31 years old, ran for like 1,400 yards, then boom, he was done. Right. I think this is what's going to happen to Peterson. I don't think you're going to see Peterson go from 1,400 to 1,100 to 800, Mm -hmm. and then he just twitters away. I think he's going to be – I think he's a 1,250-yard guy this year. Or he fall Thomas Jones or Sean Alexander's a name that comes I think next year is when he starts You think that's where it comes up? That's where I'm – Exactly. All right, Rick. I I hope you're right. I tend to agree, but I don't know why. I just I've got this nagging feeling right now. All right, Rick. Fact or fiction? Josh Gordon will make a significant fantasy impact this season. Josh Gordon has been not only a disappointment to many people, but he's been out of football for a long time. And it takes a lot to get into NFL football shape. And I just don't think Josh Gordon can do it. If he can get in and get in enough reps and enough plays to make it through the year, then Josh Gordon will be significant in 2017. I don't see it in 2016. I agree with you 100%. And, I mean, the fantasy world just – ripped their pants off, lit them on fire, and twisted them over their heads when this announcement came that Josh Gordon was coming back. And look, in week five, when he does come back, at least on paper, he's going to be the number one wide receiver on that Browns offense. But I agree with you. Between suspensions and all the nonsense, he's going to have been out what's the equivalent of about one and a half years of NFL football. Right. That's a long time. And I I just don't – maybe by week 12 – if RG3 or whoever's quarterback in come week 12 is a viable NFL quarterback, you start to see flashes. For, right. But you're not going to see these 10-catch games, these 200-yard games right out of the gate. It's going to take a long time. And I have actual concerns, Rick. He's already nicked up, and he's going to serve that four-game suspension. Being out that long, don't you think he probably gets hurt? in the first handful of games he comes back. Maybe not significantly hurt, but has some nagging hamstring kind of stuff right out of the gate. I worry about that when a guy misses that much time. Oh, I cannot Because the reason he's been out can't tell me he's been working out nonstop for the last year and a half. You look at at all the greats. 
And, and it doesn't really matter what position, but you, you look at Tom Brady, you look at Marvin Harrison, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, I don't know, Jerome Bettis. I'm just trying to think of people. It's training camp and practice. That's what gets you in shape, and that's what makes you durable and good for the season. This guy's been off for, like what you said, almost two years. And he's going to all of a sudden be this superstar all over again. I think he's got to get into shape. Yep. And it's he's, a long way to be away from NFL football. Yeah. I, I don't even know how old he is now. What, 26? Yeah, he's probably in his mid-20s. I mean, he's not old, but he doesn't have that much experience under his belt, for one thing. Right. And you have to mental, mentally mature. You have to obviously train. I don't know what kind of shape he's in, obviously. I right. mean, I'm not privy to any of that kind of stuff. But it's not the same as being in NFL shape as just working out for a couple of years. Right. And to think he's just going to waltz onto the field and become this top three or five wide receiver, to me, I think that's just a pipe dream. I'm with you 100%. All right, Rick, we've got about two minutes for this one, so this will be the last question All on right. Fact or Fiction. Fact or fiction, the new Svelte P90X Eddie Lacy will return to his 2014 form. I'm all in on Eddie Lacy. I love Eddie Lacy this year, and I love the Packers. I I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a rematch of the Steelers and Packers this year. I'm going on record right now. And I think Eddie Lacy is going to be a beast this year. Aaron Rodgers is going to utilize him. Jordy Nelson's back. Randall Cobb's there. I like what Richard Rodgers did last year. And if Eddie Lacy's on, stays on the same page, everybody says he's on, you know, with his P90X and all this kind of stuff. I think you're going to see a lot of good things out of him. Yeah, quite, quite simply, we are out of time here. I think last year was all about him being out of shape. We all made the jokes. I think that's what it was all about. And and a healthy, more fit than he was when he came into the league. I think that changes everything as the studio is falling apart here. And I think Eddie Lacy is ready to roll. So that is it. We have used it all up, Rick. I win Factor Fiction, by the way. You don't understand the scoring system, but I won. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. As you can hear, we do like American Pie. Oh, yeah. Thank you to the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com, Thursdays, 8 o'clock Eastern. Check it out there. Let them know you're hearing the show. Get get on there, comment, whatever you got to do. Let the Arena Sports Network know that you're enjoying the show. We'll be back next week, an all-new two hours of fantasy goodness. Give us a, give us a, an email. Oh yeah. Asylumfootball at gmail.com. Let us know how excited you are. Yeah, give us your questions. I, I mean, we would love to answer them on the show. And we will do that. Thanks again. We'll be back at Asylum Football on Twitter if you want your questions read. We will be back live in the next week or two as well. You can call in. All of that until next time. We'll see you. Take care. I love this song. <laughs> Who doesn't? So bye-bye, Miss America. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to play it out because it's four and a half hours long.
One thing that always amazes me is, is guys like this, they, they learn to play the guitar, they can write songs, and they can sing. Yeah. I hate them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's only because you have no discernible talent. Well, I have none. None at all. But it is. It's just an impressive song. And this is one of his first albums. I think it was like his second album. How do you top that? You don't? I don't yeah, think he ever did, did no, he? No, he didn't. He made the, the Songwriter Hall of Fame, but still. I mean, he's written a, a slew of great songs. This song's probably good enough to get you on the ballot by itself. Oh, yeah, good point. All right, we got to get out of here. See you.